With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, and Nate Klaus says draft day, draft weekend is upon us as uh, the draft will take place Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Philadelphia. I believe it's the Robin, it's the first time it's been in Philadelphia ever. Yes, first time. And they, they've been moving it around. Um, it was in Chicago, what, for two years in a row? Mm-hmm. And so Philly gets it two in a row? Yeah. Uh... I'm not sure on that. I think so. I think that's how they're doing it. Just kind of alternating around. Just a way to bring, you know, different markets and make more money off of it. They're doing it outdoors, which is going to be interesting. And because uh, the Northeast has got like some just rainstorm systems going through where they're like canceling baseball games. So it'd be interesting to see what the how the weather holds up. Today. Oh, that's why Dabo Sweeney was at the Phillies game last night. Yep. Because I saw pictures of him at the Phillies game last night. Like I didn't realize a guy that grew up in Alabama was a Phillies fan. But now that makes sense. Um but, yeah, draft day is here. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we uh, get you ready. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Nebraska has had this streak, guys, I believe since 1963. Yes. Uh, they've had a player, two multiple players, at least two drafted. Um, they've had a player drafted over the first four rounds, all but four of those drafts. Um, we, know, we know that's probably not going to happen. Um, so this will be just the fifth time since the like mid to early 60s, Nebraska hasn't had a player pay- taken in the first four rounds. Uh, but I think the real thing to watch, will Nebraska have two players drafted this year, even three? Uh, I think everyone's pretty confident you're going to see one guy picked. Um, but this could be one of the more interesting draft weekends, Robin, uh, when you kind of look at where maybe a Nathan Gary, a Ethan Carter, um, you know, some of those guys, even a Brandon Riley, a Josh Banderas, um, some of those types of players will fall. I don't see any way that Nate Gary doesn't get drafted. And so, I'm, I mean, he's going to keep that streak alive. Um, and then Seathan Carter is kind of the, the question one. Um, you know, and a lot of analysts and you know draft projections have him as kind of a borderline, you know, third-day pick, maybe even a seventh-rounder. Um, I think he's he's a good enough player that someone's going to take a chance on him, especially with the need of the versatile tight end in the NFL nowadays. I mean, that's why you're seeing some mock drafts with potentially three tight ends going in the first round. So um, I think that there's there's a need for a guy like him to where some team is going to take a chance on him, despite you know his lack of production um, in college. And so assuming those two guys go, I mean, that will be – uh, you know, keep that that at least multiple player draft streak alive. But um, you know, it's what's interesting is you know you you mentioned it's only been um, you know three times since 1970 um, that uh, you know Nebraska's only had uh, what two players taken, and uh, all of them have come since 2000. Um, so I mean, it's been it's been a recent trend here where Nebraska's kind of uh, pro development has really ca- taken a drop off. And um, if they if they can get two guys, I mean, that'll kind of match uh, what was perceived as you know the most recent worst draft prospect or class Nebraska had in 2013 when Rex Burkhead fell all the way to the sixth round and Damian Stafford went in the seventh. So I mean, I, I see this as kind of a similar type situation to where you know you're going to have to wait all the way until late into the third day of the draft to finally hear a Nebraska guy go. But um, there's there's a lot of fringe guys, but I'm I'm if I were to bet, I would say both Nate Geary and Ethan Carter hear their names called. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think both those guys will get called. I actually, I'm feeling like Ethan Carter might get drafted ahead of Nate Gary. Um, and I think they will both be like sixth or seventh round guys. That's my feeling right now. I don't. I mean, obviously. Uh, I don't have any inside information or, or anything uh, on that, but that's kind of I, I feel like that's kind of the trend right now. A lot of mock drafts, at least, uh, have kind of been having having both those guys if if they're drafted both in the sixth or seventh round that I've seen. So, um, and keeping that streak alive, 
I mean, it's it's a little bit for the fans, but mostly it's for it needs to be kept alive for recruiting purposes. I mean, this is that's something that Nebraska has on on all their mailings, you know, and 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 can really tout and, and blow you know toot their own horn about that that they've had multiple guys drafted for X number of years, and um, you know you don't want to see that streak come to an end, much like Texas did a couple years ago when they didn't have anybody drafted, which is amazing. When yeah, you think which, about it. Yeah, it blows my mind, uh, and I think Tennessee had the same thing happen to them a few years ago when they didn't have anybody drafted. And both of those programs had giant streaks like that 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 came to a halt. Here's one thing to keep in mind, too. Uh, Mike Riley has a ton of NFL connections and influence. And so when you know NFL personnel... They look at Nebraska and they ask Mike Riley and even Billy Devaney, uh, you know, what what they think of their players. Probably more Devaney. Yeah, I mean, when when those guys recommend a player, it carries a lot more weight than your average college. Yeah, look coach. at Janovich last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, everybody assumed that that Northwestern fullback Dan Vital or whatever was going to be the top fullback, and Janovich was the top fullback by the drafts in. So I mean, that that is one thing that is working in Nebraska's favor is that you have you know very well respected NFL people. Um, within your program vouching for you and that can carry a lot of weight and maybe be the difference you know if it's down to you know a, a choice between two or three guys you're going to go with the, the guys that are being recommended by NFL guys that have been there and, and done it at the highest level you're listening here to the Husker Online Show we're talking NFL draft as the Huskers get ready for this weekend and you know with Seaton Carter some of the stuff I've heard um, you know I think there might be some questions on his foot uh, he refused to run the shuttle at the combine, and he also would not run the shuttle at pro day, and at bo- so um, I think there's some people like, why won't this guy run a pro shuttle run? Um, so I think that's raised some questions with him a little bit. Like, you know, is his body fully healthy? And and I think that's what a lot of the scouts, from what I have heard, have been really trying to uh, look into. But the guys I'm very interested in are Brandon Riley, Tommy Armstrong, Jordan Westerkamp. Um, and Josh Banderas. I, I know Josh Banderas has had heavy talks with Denver. Um, they've already told him basically that you know he they if he's available he he's like their number one free agent guy if, if he's not on the board at that point. Um, but I know Jacksonville flew Josh Banderas down. He had sit down talks with Tom Coughlin. Um, they don't just do that for the hell of it to waste Tom Coughlin's time. Brandon Riley flew out to Green Bay. And met with the Green Bay Packers coaching staff. So, and he's your perfect Green Bay Packers receiver, Robin. Mm-hmm. When, uh, don't they have Aberderis, uh, Jordy, Jordy Nelson. Nelson? Just cold weather, Big Tenish type, fast guys that can play in that type of condition. And um, it will be interesting to see. But Armstrong intrigues me. Um, you know, he ran on the four fives at Pro Day. He had a 37 and a half inch vertical. Keith Williams has been blown away by the strides he's made in his wide receiver training. Um, he's going to have to get into a rookie minicamp and prove it, but that's going to be one that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I don't see any way he gets drafted, but uh, I do think he's going to get a chance um, you know, in, in some form. And um, a lot of that kind of ties into just the recent trend of you know NFL teams liking guys with quarterback minds playing other positions. I mean, you look across the board, you know, Danny Amendola, I mean, Antoine Randall L, uh, you know, I'm just, the, the list goes on and on of, of quarterbacks who have been able to transition to wide receiver and make a pretty big impact. Um, so uh, he's got a chance. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, he's never actually played the position before. <laughs> um, I don't even know if he did any high school. I mean, that that's going to work against him. So he's still very, very raw, but um, he's a very good athlete um, who has gone, you know, head in um, in this wide receiver training and working with Keith Williams, who's obviously, I mean, still working with NFL type receivers. And when you, Keith Williams has that type of praise for you, that means you're doing something right. So um, he, he's got a chance, and um, he's, it's just up to him to make the most of that opportunity. Nate, as we wrap it up, Westerkamp's also intriguing because I think if you just would have gone into the year before everything started. I mean, I think both people like, oh, he's a shoe-in kind of late rounder, but the late injury to his knee caused him to miss the bowl game, uh, the lower production numbers this year because of the back injury he suffered against Illinois, um, running a slow 40 at the pro day in Lincoln. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those prospects that you don't have a read on going into this weekend. No, and that's a big, probably the biggest surprise. Um, you know, like you said, if you had asked a year ago who, which one of Nebraska's players, you know, or wide receivers would probably be taken first out of all the possible guys, it, you know, you'd probably say Westerkamp. Um, but uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big surprise. I, I'm sure that he'll catch on in someone's camp, um, but. 
you know, right now I would say I would say Brandon Brandon Riley, uh, maybe even Alonzo Moore could get picked ahead mm-hmm. of him because both those guys tested out much better. Here's a question: Does Nebraska get to take credit for Avery Moss? <laughs> hey, Sam Cotton. We forgot Sam Cotton. Sam, Cotton, Sam Cotton's going to – we forgot to mention him, but he had a great month of training, and he's going to be a priority free agent guy. Maybe – I mean, you never know how the drafting goes, but he had a great month, so um, that's another guy we forgot to mention to watch this weekend. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fringe guys that um, – here, here's one thing I always revert back to. If Marcel Jones can get drafted, any one of those guys can get drafted. Is he out of the league now? Yes, he's out of the league now. Dude, Givens Morty Price, Givens Price, he was on an NFL roster last yeah, year. Yeah, he got picked up by the Cardinals for mm-hmm. a while. So, yeah, it, it's – these guys, I think – All gonna, it takes is one team to like you. Yep. They're going to get there, too. It's just going to be interesting to see who the two are and how it all goes down. So lots of coverage on the draft. We'll have that this weekend on Husker Online. Uh, but we come back. Nate Klaus and I are going to discuss Nebraska's in-state swarm tour. Nebraska hit over 50 in-state high schools uh, this past Friday. We'll give our thoughts on that and get some of the reaction here from the coaches. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as uh, we are back here. And, you know, Nate, it's the spring evaluation period, so we're going to talk a little bit more recruiting here than normal. And I wanted to dedicate a segment to this. Uh, This past Friday, uh, the Nebraska coaching staff went out on the road. Uh, They hit nearly 50 high schools in one day, they pretty much hit every single Class A and Class B school for the most part. Uh, they got out west, um, you know, hit places like Cambridge, North Platte, Valentine, um, Scotts Bluff. I mean, Garing. Uh, they really made the rounds. Uh, they had all nine coaches out on the road, and this is something that you know we've talked about this uh, privately with a lot of local coaches. Um, it was somewhat of a complaint that, you know, this Mike Riley staff, they just haven't got a chance to know them. They really haven't made uh, the traditional rounds around the state. Well, not only did they do it this past Friday, it might have been as big of a what they called in-state swarm as we've ever seen. Oh, there's no question about it. And I, I've talked with a lot of coaches that have even said, you know, we, even under Bo Pelini, Barney Cotton was pretty good and keep in touch with a lot of us or coming by the schools. But that was mostly in, in Lincoln and the Omaha Metro. Um, I don't ever really recall a time where all nine assistants were out on the road and, and where they hit, you know, roughly 50 different high schools. I mean, they even broke out the private jet flying Kavanaugh from. And I think Bray was with them and they landed and, in and North Perella. Yeah, so, they landed in North Platte. Right? Yeah, Kavanaugh, Perella, and Trent Bray landed in North Platte and they all kind of, you know, took off in their own separate they directions. They back to Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, and well, and then Kavanaugh went from North Platte to Valentine and then from Valentine to Scotts Bluff and Gearing. So um, I spoke with the, the Gearing coach out there and uh, he was just blown away that Nebraska stopped by. He's, he's been coaching for six years and, and he told me that he's never once had a coach um, stop by Gearing and he used to be the head coach at Sydney High School uh, and he's never had a coach stop out um, in Sydney either and and it wasn't about finding, you know, his prospects. He he told me straight up. He said, "I don't have any D one guys, and probably won't have any borderline D one guys for at least two or three more years." But uh, Mike Cavanaugh and I had a great conversation, and he let us know that you know they they want to recruit the best athletes in the state of Nebraska, whether they're scholarship guys or walk on types. That that uh, they're here for the in state guys, and they want to get the best in state and keep them at you know down in Lincoln. And and he said that was. It was a great message, and it was it was just great to be able to kind of connect with the university in that way. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we discuss Nebraska's in-state swarm tour, where they hit nearly 50 in-state schools all last Friday. And you get some of the naysayers, but how much time did they really spend at each one of these schools? Well, really, Nate, you and I have done this. We've probably made more of our own personal swarm <laughs> tours than anybody. Yeah. And you, you only need about 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, how, how long are you going to talk to a guy? It's not like you're going to sit down and, 
and say, I'm going to spend three hours with you because these guys are teachers. They have schedules. They can't really get away from the classroom for more than 20 or 30 minutes. Now, there are some coaches we know that can do that, but yeah. uh, <laughs> there's a lot of other ones that can't. Yeah, not not every coach is the the PE teacher, you know, or or the weight the weights teacher that has you know only two or three classes a day, and the rest of the time is are kind of planning periods where he's watching film or, or breaking things down. So, um, twenty to thirty minutes is is more than enough time to sit down with a coach. Um, you know, kind of get to know each other, shoot the breeze a little bit, um, pick their brains as far as what type of players they have coming up in their program, what type of players they've played against. You know, I think that's always a crucial question is, you know, who's the best player that you guys faced over the last year or two that that's coming up? Um, and, and I think that it doesn't need to take longer than 20, 30 minutes to make an impression and for, for you to kind of start to create a presence in state like that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss Nebraska's in-state swarm tour. Bob Diaco, even, you know, he's new to Nebraska. It's his first few months here in the state, and he made the rounds. He kind of handled those West Omaha suburb areas. I talked with Dave Schrader, the Gretna coach, and he said they ta- uh, they talked about the orchestra and the sympathy, sympathy and all these things like that. So typical Bob Diaco, I mean, but that's, that's kind of what it is. I mean, um, sometimes when we go out on the road, you don't necessarily just talk ball. You talk about the concert you're going to go to on mm-hmm. Friday night. I mean, do you, and that's that's really what this is more about. It's not just tell me all the guys you got, what players you have. It's it's about developing the relationships. Yeah, it's making that connection, that personal connection, and just letting them know that hey, you know, we know you exist, and we're going to be by the you know your school again, and uh, and we're we're out here taking taking um, you know a keen interest in, in what's going on in our backyard, and it doesn't have to be about breaking down the three four defense or or you know scouring um, his school to find out you know what kid might have a shot at playing at Nebraska one day. It's just about making that connection. And I, and I think uh, and being kind of showing the, the high school coaches that you're you're a real down to earth person and, and that you're going to go out of your way to make sure that, um, you know, someday that when they do have a player um, that you're going to be there for them. And speaking of players around the state, um, a couple of in-state news here, things to report. Um, uh, Zach Schlager from McCook, he officially committed to Colorado State. Not a surprise. His brother is there, but uh, the Rams did kind of put a little pressure on him that he had to make a decision really like this week. Um, Otherwise, his spot was not a guaranteed spot at that point. And um, I think Kansas State was very close on him. And Nebraska likes him. They just unfortunately can't take an inside linebacker um, this year. You're seeing another guy, Nate, on the in-state front, Nick Heinrich from Omaha Burke for 2019. And, And you and I called this shot the minute we saw this kid. Um, he had no offers in February. Now he has, uh, I believe, what, Minnesota, Iowa State, uh, one other, South Dakota State, obviously. Yeah, and I think he might have Ohio already, too, or or could be getting close to getting an Ohio offer. But, yeah, Nick Heinrich out of Omaha Burke, a 6'3 linebacker, a perfect guy for the 3'4", uh, great student in the classroom, just a no-brainer. He may be the number one 2019 guy in the state um, now his, his teammate, uh, they have a tight end there as well, could be right up there. So mm-hmm. uh, Burke is kind of where the talent is for 2019. Yeah, Chris Hickman is the tight end. And, and I think, uh, you know, Nick Heinrich, the attention is not going to slow down anytime soon. You know, now that the spring evaluation period is in, in full swing, um, you know, I, I think uh, wouldn't be surprised if Reese Morgan from Iowa is, is rolling through the school here any week now and, and taking a closer look there. Um, obviously, Nebraska was through the last Friday, um, and they're well aware of Nick Heinrich. And um, you know, and he's he's a three sport athlete. He's football, basketball, track. I mean, he, he's got a, a close to a four GPA, if I recall. I mean, he's he's pretty much the total package. So um, I would be surprised if Nebraska doesn't eventually uh, end up pulling the trigger and offering Nick Heinrich sooner than later. I'll throw one other sleeper 19 name, Nate, for you. Um, Darius Luff at Lincoln High ran 14-3-2 electronic in the 110 hurdles, number two in the whole state right now. I believe number one in Class A as a six-foot-tall sophomore. Uh, We've heard all about these great sophomores at Lincoln High. They're coming up the ranks in the city. Um, That's a kid to watch. Um, Also, their, their quarterback, Case, is another kid. Uh, that's really grown a lot. I talked to Mark Mackey, so uh, Nebraska stopped in there. And Mark Mackey joked, uh, people around the Lincoln High building did not know when the last time 
a Husker coach had been through there. Uh, in fact, when they had that defensive end, Cordarius Bailey, that's going to Iowa State, that left to go back to Mississippi, um, he, they didn't even have a Husker coach visit then. So um, schools like Lincoln High had a Nebraska coach come by, and, and that's a big deal. I mean, maybe the average Joe fan doesn't get that, but um, some of these places may not have had a Husker coach in their hallways for over 10 years. Yeah, easily. Um, and. I mean that's that's a good sign just to create that presence and um, and especially at a place like Lincoln High where they do have all these underclassmen coming up. I mean they're that's this is a program that's going to be making a lot more noise or maybe as much noise here in the next couple of years as they've made in the last decade or more. So uh, smart for Nebraska to go through there and, and kind of get a firsthand look at some of these kids. Well, we'll talk more recruiting here later in the show, but when we come back, we're going to talk some basketball with Robin Washett. It has been a busy week uh, as far as roster movements and pickups for the Huskers. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Dope. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Ron Washington. We're going to talk some basketball. It's been pretty interesting here the last week or so, Robin, as you know, everybody, it's such just a roller coaster of emotions being a Husker basketball fan. I mean, you're ready to, to fire everybody, yell at everybody, scream at everyone. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, things happen like this past week. Uh, where Nebraska adds a key graduate transfer. They sign their highest-ranked recruit in years. Am I, am I off-base saying that? Um, since Glenn Watson. Since Glenn Watson. So um, it is interesting, Robin, to see kind of the, the change in momentum when it was so doom and gloom. I mean, people were freaking out about Nick Fowler and guys like that transferring. <laughs> but now all of a sudden, you know, you get Thomas Allen, a Rivals 154-star guard transfer or uh, signing you add a grad transfer, six foot nine center that is a shot blocker, and, and there's a lot of momentum all of a sudden. When we taped the show a week ago, I think some people are ready just to shut down the program altogether. And uh, what a difference a few days can make because they land Thomas Allen on Friday, which was an absolutely huge commit. You cannot overstate how big that was just because of um, the perception of where the program was before that. Um, so to get a guy, a, a, one of the top high school unsigned seniors um, out of high school uh, to commit and buy into your program kind of changed uh, the way people thought about the, the future of Nebraska basketball, um, at least with his current staff. And then uh, they addressed a huge need with Dubio KK, the Winthrop transfer, who in just three seasons blocked 165 shots and is the school's all-time leading shot blocker. So uh, a huge role addressed there, especially on the defensive end. And um, now they've filled half of their four remaining scholarships and they have two more to go. Um, and looking ahead, um, I would foresee them, you know, adding maybe one or two more post players. Um, they had a kid on campus this weekend, um, Hans Brace, um, a transfer from Princeton. Um, and, you know, he left without a commitment and has a few other visits scheduled. I know he's visiting Clemson um, and probably Georgia Tech and Maryland. Um, he visited Richmond before coming to Lincoln. So a lot of competition there. But um, I think that that's kind of the way that they're going to handle these final two spots is try and get one more big, uh, maybe a more offensively inclined gift um, big, uh, just because Dubio KK doesn't really give you much um, on offense. So that they need to find a way to kind of replace what Jacobson and Morrow you know, provided on the offensive end of the floor. And then after that, um, if they're able to get a big like that, then maybe they have some options here. Uh, I mean, you don't necessarily have to fill that four spot with somebody who's going to be eligible right away. They can maybe take another chance on a traditional transfer, um, you know, another, you know, a Anton Gill or James Palmer or Isaac Copeland type player that, you know, you, you stash away for a year and um, hope that the, the crew you have, you know, ready to play in 2017-18, which – uh, all of a sudden looks pretty good again. Um, uh, then the, you can continue to build your momentum off that. Uh, so uh, definitely just a, a complete shift in kind of the outlook of what, you know, the, the near future for Nebraska ball, basketball holds. And um, once again, we're kind of back to the argument where this will be the most talented team Tim Miles has had to work with. and um, Not according to these eyes. <laughs> there, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason why they can't take a big step this season. And, you know, the, the, the meeting with Sean Eichhorst, Tim Miles, um, they, they made it clear that, once again, that is always going to be the goal, is make the NCAA tournament. And with the players they have on board right now, uh, I think that's very much within the realm of possibility. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss the latest in Nebraska ball. And, you know, Thomas Allen picked Nebraska over Kansas, Robin. Oh, yeah. I mean, is this a Amongst guy, others. Is this a guy that, that could 
start then at, at the off guard spot as a true freshman? I mean, he's a shooter. They don't have shooters. They haven't had shooters since like Eric Piekowski, it feels like. <laughs> I mean, is this a guy that could get out there and start? Uh, potentially. Um, they do have some backcourt depth. I mean, obviously, you're one of your lone seniors, Evan Taylor's back. You have Glenn Watson. Um, and then, you know, you got James Palmer getting back into the mix. You have Nana Kenton uh, joining the mix. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pieces to work with. But, um, you know, when you're a top 100 four-star player who got offers from Kansas, Georgetown, Xavier, Texas, Creighton, uh, you're good enough to play right away. And so the, the question isn't whether he will have an immediate impact next season. It's, like you said, what his role will be from the get-go. And um, I guess it kind of just depends on what he, he's able to do when he gets on campus. He's still kind of a smaller frame, really similar to what Glenn Watson was. Only 165 pounds. Yeah, uh, so about 6'1", 6'2", or in that 160, 170 range. So um, there's a lot of similarities to Glenn, except Thomas Allen's a better shooter. And when you look at Nebraska's need for shooting, like you mentioned, um, that really gives you a great opportunity uh, to, to have a huge role. And so maybe he's not the starter for the first few games, but, I mean, if he's able to play his way into the lineup – I don't see any reason why he couldn't, you know, be one of those starting five at some point next season. You know, Robin, something else I want to hit on earlier this week, um, the two newspapers had their kind of sit down powwow with Sean Eichhorst, Tim Miles, kind of laying it all down. And, and, you know, Eichhorst is very selective of how, when he does these things and very selective on the group of people that are there. I mean, you've been covering Nebraska basketball 10 years now for us Mm -hmm. and you weren't involved. That's a whole other thing, but this, the two newspaper guys were there uh, to do their sit down uh, with I course kind of about um, kind of the state of things. Uh, What did you take from just what came out of those meetings uh, that the Omaha world Herald and Lincoln journal star were a part of? Yeah, it wasn't a a total shock um, for, from what came out of that, um, I guess if nothing else, it was good to finally get Sean Eichhorst on record to address, you know, his reasonings behind making at the time was a very, or maybe still is, a very controversial decision to bring back Tim Miles for a sixth season. And so, I mean, finally, you know, months after the fact, he kind of explains himself and um, and his reasonings, you know, weren't any surprise. It was kind of what people have been talking about the whole time. But um, it was good to finally just get that out in the open. Um, and I guess maybe as far as you know, surprises. Um, I thought that maybe that the fact that he went into uh, the amount of detail he actually did by mentioning style of play, uh, and that was one thing Tim Miles immediately agreed upon. So they're clearly having conversations about you know what needs to happen in terms of X's and O's uh, to to make this thing work because the talent is there now. Uh, I mean that's that's not an excuse anymore. You have the players. I mean everything else at your disposal. Now it comes down to the coaches. And so, I mean, I think that that's been a, a very clear uh, dialogue there between Sean and, and Tim and about um, kind of what the plan is uh, to utilize this talent and maximize it and, and translate it into actual success when it comes to wins and losses. Um, so uh, that kind of led me to believe that, you know, while he made it clear that they don't have a set, um, you know, barometer of, you know, what needs to happen next season as far as team success, um, they, they are talking about, you know, you know, different things that need to happen, um, I guess, just, just from a, a stylistic standpoint and from a, a coaching management standpoint uh, to, to, to really make the best of what is a very, very important season. So I, I guess those were some of my biggest takeaways, but I didn't expect Sean Eichhorst to say anything much more than that. Um, he's a pretty reserved guy um, when it comes to these deals, as we've all learned, and um, kind of, uh, I guess, if nothing else, he was finally able to to get that out and not uh, or get get out from behind the curtain, so to speak. And it, is it just me? I mean, guys like Dave Witte, they're they're smart. They know times to set these meetings up. They waited to do this until there was kind of some momentum the other way. Uh, you get all of a sudden Thomas Allen, you get a big grad transfer. Um, I think it changes maybe the tone of the meeting where if you did this meeting about two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago, oh boy, it's a whole different feel. So um, I think there was a little bit of strategy by Dave Whitty and the Nebraska folks um, in kind of setting this meeting up. Yeah, no coincidence whatsoever uh, that they, they timed out the way they did. And, um, you know, because remember, uh, Sean Eichhorst was telling people he was going to address the state of the program shortly after the final four. And so obviously that, that prolonged a, little, a few weeks after the fact. And um, they finally had some good news, and people were starting to kind of ease off a little bit with the the torches and pitchforks. And, um, you know, I, I think that was a very calculated move, and I guess you can't blame them. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions here in the mailbag. As we got a full mailbag of questions, that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. We are internless here on the mailbag segment, so bear with me, HOL radio listeners, as I am going to do my best to play the role of our oversleeping intern, Matt Reynoldson, who experienced iPhone alarm clock issues, um, which I think uh, the entire HOL staff has already raised the uh, you-know-what flag on that excuse. Millennials, I'll tell you what. But anyway, we got a full bag of questions. We don't want to do away with the mailbag itself. Um, first question here on the mailbag is about Tanner Lee I want to get to. Is Tanner Lee planning on attending the Manning Passing Academy this year if those invites had even gone out yet? Would uh, you think a guy who has received such rave reviews previously would be a shoo-in for an invite? Well, it's really not. And Nate would know a lot about this, too, because Jay Norvell used to be kind of involved when he was here. And Zach Taylor got invited to that as well. Uh, Taylor Martinez, but it's really not about just being the best quarterback. It's kind of about who you know and and whatnot. Tanner Lee's already been invited, um, and it's really you know you, you're just a counselor. I don't know if it's going to make you better. Uh, like Taylor Martinez told me, he was kind of disappointed when he went that you really don't get to spend that much time working out with the Mannings. It's really kind of more of a uh, a promotional deal. Yeah, it's 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 totally. It's not like the Elite Eleven. I feel like people feel like it's the Elite Eleven, where you know, eleven of the top quarterbacks or so in the country get invited to go to the painting uh, or the Manning Passing Academy, and you know, they get to work out with Peyton and and Eli and and Archie, and you know, where it's just just this big you know, great thing. And, and it is a very cool experience from what I understand, but there's a lot of guys that get invited to it. And it is a lot about who, you know, uh, Tanner Lee has been there before. Uh, he's impressed there before. That's, that's part of, you know, the Tanner Lee legend, I guess, when, when it comes to how he ended up at Nebraska, um, you know, in this transfer, you know, this is, that was part of the deal where he impressed certain people at this, at the passing Academy and, um, and started to kind of make a name for himself, even though his, his statistics at Tulane weren't, you know, necessarily, um, you know, mind blowing. So yeah, this is, he'll, he'll be there once again this year. And it's kind of one of those deals where if you get invited once more and more than likely you're, you're going back. Well, and he's a new Orleans boy and the Mannings are new Orleans guys. Exactly. I mean, so they, they like him a lot and it, it only makes sense. Robin. Well, yeah. And the, the best part about it, I guess, is the exposure you get. I mean, there's a lot of NFL personnel that go to those things to kind of have another opportunity to evaluate some of the top quarterbacks in the country. And I mean, that's kind of how Billy Devaney first found out about Tanner Lee and a big reason why Tanner Lee ended up at Nebraska. So um, there's a lot of value that goes beyond just like the reps you take uh, and the instruction you get. It's uh, having the the platform to kind of showcase yourself uh, for a potential chance at the next level. Nate, next question is a recruiting one. Um, and I feel like we're going to get this a lot. There's just going to be this panic about the numbers. Um, how are we going to get these recruits in? Well, the question is, is Nebraska, is this the year they will actually be like plus two, plus three at 87, 88 on signing day? Uh, because right now, today, they would only have 15 openings. And that's before guys like possibly Cole Conrad or Brian Reimers, uh, both juniors, would be put on scholarship. So really, they could only maybe have 13 uh, openings at this point. Well, Mike Riley's first recruiting class at Nebraska, they oversigned by three, and everyone was freaking out about how they'd get to 85 by the time August rolled around and fall camp started, and and they made that you know just fine. and And I think we'll see the we'll see the same thing happen this year. I think we'll see them oversigned by by three, um, you know, and and kind of work things out, try to try to get to the 85 by the time August rolls around. Um, it is an unfortunate situation though because you can't always just guarantee that there's going to be three guys that leave the program especially when you do like you said Sean you got a couple guys who are worthy you know walk on players that are worthy of being put on scholarship so um, I don't necessarily envy Nebraska's position right now being being in this and trying to figure out the numbers and and how many at which positions you can take and and uh, you know where those guys that are maybe wanting to commit are falling on your board. Um, I know Mike Riley said on his on his weekly radio show that that they have 15 spots and but that they're not going to turn away great players. Well, um, that's going to be interesting to see how they handle that because 
you have to live and die by that 85. And, and that, so that uh, I know it's easy to say, well, we're not going to turn away a great one. We'll make room for a great one. Well, um, sometimes that's easier said than done. And knowing this, uh, they're, they've only, I-Course has only handed out like one true medical scholarship. So he, he's not going to just sign medicals for guys that aren't going to play. I mean, you got to be legitimately, you know, Gabe Miller type situation to be put on the medical. All right. Next question here um, is about Chris Walker. You know, there's a video on Twitter. He posted this week, deadlifting 600 pounds in the Lincoln East weight room. And, and we've all heard about him being kind of a late bloomer workout warrior. You know, what kind of impact, what kind of guy could he end up being? And I'm so intrigued. I think Chris Walker, uh, when you look at what he's brought to the table, um, I mean, he, he's he's kind of one of those guys. I think now when you look at it, Nebraska's look fairly smart, and that's why Wyoming Nate was so upset when they lost this guy. Well, yeah, Wyoming really, really liked Chris Walker, and they thought the world of him and 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 the type of prospect he was and what he could eventually become because he is he is kind of a late bloomer. I mean, uh, two years ago, I don't know if anyone considered him to be a Division One prospect, and all of a sudden. You know, heading into his senior year, he completely transformed his body, and uh, and he put together a great work of uh, you know great tape on his on his senior season, and and uh, I mean he looks like a big time prospect right now, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I know he kind of wants to play defense, but uh, I think his future is at, at on offense. To be honest with you, I, I don't especially in this defense. He could play guard too, not just tackle. Yeah, right? yeah, he could. I mean, I think he could eventually be a, a guard or tackle uh, on offense and I just I just don't I don't know if he necessarily fits exactly what Bob Diaco and John Perella are looking for in this defensive end um, in, in their 3-4 here because uh, he, he does have the height and the length uh, and, and I think he's a, a good athlete I just don't know if he's as explosive as what they're necessarily wanting at that position you're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk um, take questions here in the mailbag doing my best to play the role of the Husker online interns interesting question about division one talent in the state of Nebraska um, only roughly 2.1% of athletes in Nebraska get recruited to play Division One football. Uh, that number ranks actually below South Dakota even. Why is that the case? I could throw this in there. South Dakota has two Division One FCS programs. I'm sure they're counting that in there. So that there alone would probably allow South Dakota to naturally have more Division One guys uh, than the state of Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the easy one, and 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 also the, with the population base, you know, with South Dakota being less populated than Nebraska, I mean, it doesn't take much more, you know, recruited athletes to really skew the numbers a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I think that's the natural answer there. I think another thing too, and this maybe doesn't apply with the South Dakota comparison, but uh, the lack of specialization you're seeing. Uh, I mean, guys are playing every single sports. You know, sometimes four sports throughout the course of a school year. And so it, it's, it makes it hard for you to become, you know, that, that, that separated from the pack type of player at your one sport, uh, just, just because, you know, you're not basically committing yourself year round. I mean, that, that mostly applies to things like basketball, um, and maybe even baseball too. But, uh, you know, I think that just the, the, the fact that kids are so well-rounded athletically um, almost is a negative uh, when it comes to getting exposure to get recruited on the national level. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. we got time for one more, and we try to lighten it up here at the end of the mailbag. I like this question this week, guys. Favorite small-town bar? Robin Washett, you're first. First one that comes to mind is a place called The Bait Shop in Greenwood, Nebraska. I had a buddy that lived in Greenwood, and uh, we would go go out there, and uh, it was just this weird hole-in-the-wall place. Like, I think it was a house that was converted into a bar, and uh, we would be like the only guys in there. We'd take over the jukebox, and they had this game where you could like throw a quarter at a bucket behind the bar, and if you hit it, you get like a free pitch or something like that. It was... Uh, uh, it was a fun time, and uh, you know, <laughs> I've been to a few weathers, but that's the one that sticks out right, right off the top of my head. I got to go back to the hometown bar, uh, the Underpass in Ogallala, Nebraska. Uh, just right, right when you come off the interstate and, and go over the the overpass, over the the railroad tracks, uh, the underpass is right, right underneath there, and, and uh, uh, that's always a good time to to get back. Whenever I do go back to to Ogallala, if some of my some of my buddies are also in town, we'll we'll go to the underpass, which coincidentally is right across the street from the Sip and Sizzle, or for, <laughs> formerly the Sip and Sizzle. 
sizzle in Ogallala, which uh, is now no longer sip and sizzle. But that also was uh, was also a very good time. So um, always a lot of beer drank in those two places. Um, I won't get into any specific stories, but great times. <laughs> and you know, like we don't count Carney guys, right? A small town bar. It's got to be like legitimate yeah. small town America, USA. Uh, city boy, city boy, yeah. <laughs> Car- I count Carney as my small town bar. No, uh, Carney in Western Nebraska. Uh, I'm gonna go actually real right, right by Lincoln, uh, Sprague, the bar in Sprague, Nebraska, about 10, 15 minutes from South Lincoln. It's it's really fun to go down there. Um, it, it's a double wide trailer connected to a house, and they've got a long bar that goes like the length of the double wide trailer, and then there's tables that are in like the house portion been there many a times um there's also a really good town bar in roca which is just outside lincoln so if you kind of want that small town feel um around lincoln i mean you got sprague hickman roca uh they all um i, I want they all offer kind of like a little town bar and, and they're all within about 20 minutes of lincoln uh, i'll throw another one that, for a nominee that i forgot the, the pepper mill in valentine nebraska Ooh. i've had some good times there now your wife is from Malcolm Robin, uh, Milford, Milford, Milford. Yes. Excuse me. Are, are there? Are there? Uh, is there a little town bar in Milford? I'm sure there is, but I've never really spent any time there. They live on a farm, so like you never actually go into Milford. So, no, I, I do not know the the bar landscape of Milford, Nebraska. I'll go out to the Denton Daily Double every Ooh. now and then uh, to play, play a little Kino oh, yeah. and, and have a nice <laughs> burger. Uh, maybe chicken fried steak. That that's a solid place too. It's a uh, good little family field trip. Absolutely. <laughs> Take the kids. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up here in the mailbag. When we come back, we'll get back on track here, and we'll talk some recruiting with Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we are talking a little recruiting here as it is the spring evaluation period. So for the next month, uh, the coaching staff will be out on the road doing heavy recruiting um, around the country. They started in Nebraska Friday. They're in the 500-mile radius this week. But before we get into the specifics of what's been going on on the road, Nate, um, let's talk uh, latest commit. Huskers pick up a commit from four-star wide receiver Chase Williams out of Corona Roosevelt High School, ranked 141 in the Rivals' top 250, 18th best player in the state of California. The Calabrasca movement continues as the Huskers land another big-time pickup. Well, and the momentum from the spring game continues as Chase Williams was present for the spring game. Uh, along with his family and everything, and uh, Corona Roosevelt, same same program that produced uh, Josh Mitchell, um, and Chase Williams is friends with Buki Radley Hiles and Manuel Allen um, there in uh, and Tyjon knows Tyjon Lindsay and and all these guys. And what's interesting is that Keith Williams was the initial coach to to offer Chase Williams and was recruiting him as a wide receiver, uh, but he's a two way player for Roosevelt and. Dante Williams saw the tape and, and wanted to recruit him as a cornerback. And, and Chase Williams was on board with that, uh, totally on board with that, actually. And so it was right around the time that he visited for the, the spring game is when Dante Williams was starting to recruit him. And, and uh, they, they kind of had an instant connection. And, and uh, you know, the, Chase is really fired up to, to play cornerback for the Huskers. And, and it's hard to find a, a player, you know, with some of the skill set that Chase Williams has. He's, he's, he's pushing six foot two. He's, he's 180, 185 pounds already. Um, and just tremendous ball skills, a natural athlete. And when, when, you know, when you watch his his wide receiver film, it's really impressive. But I think some of the things that he does as a cornerback, for only having played the position for a year or two, uh, and really only seriously for you know the last year, um, some of the things that he does is is all natural ability. And uh, in terms of being able to to flip his hip hips and run with a wide receiver, look back for the ball, track it, um, and and, and uh, you know get interceptions, you know, high point the ball um, and, and have pass breakups. I mean, just a lot of these things that he does on film are just because he's got tremendous ball skills and is just a, a tremendous overall athlete. Nate, as you look now at the wide receiver board, what is realistic? Nebraska, how many more? One more receiver? I mean, where, where do you see the numbers at, um, at that wide receiver board? 
Well, as things stand right now, uh, I, I think that there is only room for, for one more wide receiver, more than likely. Uh, however, I don't know if if they get their last wide receiver, if they'll completely stop recruiting some of their, their big fish. Because, um, you know, Eric Fuller is one of the, the older commits on this list, but at the same time, he is yet to visit Nebraska. I know that commitment kind of came as a surprise, to be honest, um, a little bit. So uh, I, I don't know if – you know, if if there's one player on the commit list that I th- that would say, you know, it's maybe a risk to 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 flip eventually or or to decommit, it would probably be Eric Fuller. And and I don't know if Nebraska wants to to kind of completely stop recruiting that position. So um, I, I feel really good about Nebraska's chances with Joshua Moore. The, he's a rivals 250 overall prospect, one of the top wide receivers in the country. He's teammates with Buki Radley Hiles at IMG Academy, was also here for the spring game. He's going to be announcing on June 18th, and, and I feel like it – you know, is pretty much Nebraska at this point in time. He 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 does have a top seven with the Huskers in there, and there is some very very tough competition um, that Nebraska is going up against. But at the same time, uh, he's got a tremendous connection with Keith Williams. He's he's also very close with Buki Radley Hiles. They have kind of a similar life story. You know, uh, Buki lost a brother. And and so did Joshua Moore. Uh, Joshua Moore's brother passed away on his birthday, um, June 18th, and, and that's why he's announcing his decision on June 18th. And um, and there's also a good chance that if Joshua comes to Nebraska, that his brother Jordan Moore, who's actually committed to Texas A&M, is a four-star athlete uh, being recruited more as a defensive back, could also join um, the Huskers and, and flip from. Uh, Texas A&M there so uh, but yeah I, I think that with the with the way that the wide receiver board is there's a lot of different options out there uh, but I, I think if they add Jordan or Joshua Moore I think they'll still kind of uh, keep their eye out for one more wide receiver in this class just in case anything happens with Eric Fuller and then Mario Goodrich um, out of Kansas City I mean he's another guy everyone just assumes you know he's in the boat, but hasn't announced yet. In fact, we had a, a subscriber on the board substitute teach at least Summit West. Yes, that's the power of the Red Street Squirrels message board community. Um, say go big red to Goodrich, and Goodrich threw the bones back at him this week at school, um, according to one of our users on Red Sea Scrolls. So um, that that's a done deal more or less, Nate. But when's it gonna when when's it gonna happen? Well, that's the big question. Is, you know, when is he gonna officially you know make his commitment to Nebraska public? And and uh, I mean, he's said as much in public that he knows where he wants to go to school that he wants to be at Nebraska wants to play uh, cornerback for coach Dante Williams and and loves everything about the Huskers but uh, you know the big reason why he didn't commit while he was on campus for the spring game was twofold. One, his father was un- unable to make the trip with him, and two, he had one of his best friends who was who was very very ill back in Kansas City, who actually ended up passing away the day after the spring game. So he left right after the game to get back to Kansas City to to see his friend in the hospital. Um, you know, and, and I think that delayed his decision a little bit there too. But basically, right now, I think he he just has to get his dad on board and and to be you know uh, okay with him making an early decision because that was not the original plan. I think the original plan was to take some official visits in the fall and make a decision maybe right after football season. But Mario basically wants to get it done sooner than later. And, and I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. I, I think uh, I know Nebraska was by his high school uh, this week. And, and I'm sure that, uh, that Dante Williams is, has been working Mario and his, his parents uh, pretty hard. So I think it will happen sooner than later. Nate, with uh, eight commitments already, Nebraska, not only are they in the top ten right now on the rivals' rankings, I believe they're number nine right now. Yeah, latest rankings at number nine. They're also 10th in overall commits. That is rare for Nebraska in April, March area going into May to be ranked that high for total commits. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and something that, that we've seen the last two years, you know, heading into – um, into May, the past two years, Mike Riley has been sitting at eight commitments in his recruiting classes, and 
Uh, and that's something that we hadn't ever really seen at Nebraska before. It was generally, you know, by the time June started, you'd see Nebraska with three or four commits. And then, you know, then they would kind of pile on there towards the end of camp season in, Ju- in June. And then go real quiet for yeah, a long time. Yeah, and go real quiet for a long time. Well, and we had the same thing last year. I mean, Nebraska went over 100 days from August to Christmas, right? Yeah, basically. So, um, yeah, after the the commitment of Deontay Watts, there there was close well, to a hundred days. Was Lado actually after Watts? Technically, no. Lado was, was right in before. August, and then Watts was after the um, the Oregon game, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there, there. It's a good position for them to be in because um, they've got over half their class filled so far, and and I think that you know Mike Riley hinted at a couple of other silent commitments. He said there, there's uh, they have ten commitments, and and that there there was another one going to be coming public here soon. And I think the one that became public after his radio show, after he made those comments, was Chase Williams. Um, so you have to assume that Nebraska has uh, two other silent commits at this point in time and um, you know and heading into the spring evaluation period now they're able to see their top end targets at the positions left of, of need on their board uh, but also start to kind of look at next year's top targets and, and really evaluate 2019 and even some 2020 kids out there um, so they're able to kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit because of where they're sitting at this moment. Nate as we wrap it up here with recruiting talk quarterback um, still remains a question uh, this is kind of the time of year where they're flying off the board. There aren't a lot of big names left. Um, you know, and some of the guys Nebraska hinted at offering, they haven't offered yet, and th- those guys are now getting big offers. What is happening? What do you see playing out now at quarterback? Well, I think we're going to see some offers come at the end of this week or, or by the beginning of next week. I know Danny Langsdorf was by uh, to see Spencer Petrus uh, this week. He's stopping by to see Tyler Shaw this week. Uh, Adrian Martinez is a name to kind of keep an eye on. He's a four-star quarterback that just decommitted from Cal. Uh, is more of a dual-threat guy. He's about 6'3", 185 pounds. Um, is a very good passer, but also a very, very good runner. Um, so... Uh, and I know Husker fans may kind of, you know, get a little nervous when they hear of another Martinez, you know, from from California possibly being looked at as a quarterback. Uh, but you know, this is a kid who's got offers from Alabama, um, you know, and, and you name it. He's like I said, a four-star quarterback with probably about 20, 25 offers right now. So uh, he could be kind of getting on on the radar. Uh, Real Mitchell is a quarterback out of uh, St. John Bosco High School in Bellflower, California, uh, who's just a three-star prospect, but is kind of a curveball type of quarterback you know he's a guy who is a dual threat player and I think with the way Nebraska's quarterback roster stacks up right now I I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Langsdorf and Mike Riley kind of decide to bring someone into the fold that brings a little different uh, you know um, athleticism into the mix and it could be kind of different you know because they're they're also sitting very well with Grant Gunnell who's a, a true pro style quarterback in 2019. Well lots to follow this weekend not only with recruiting but the NFL draft and Husker baseball they have a big series with Ohio State. So make sure you are with Husker Online uh, as we'll have coverage of everything. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 